want apple juice. Lucas wants apple juice. I know, I heard him can say I that. Can I have apple juice? Yeah, you can have apple juice. Can I have soda? Yes, you can have soda. Can I press that button? No, you can't press that button. Why? Because that's going to play the theme song. I'm not ready to start Click. the pot. What is up, guys? James Gutman here on High Pod. I'm Dad. Welcome to another edition of the Friday Show. It is right smack dab in the middle of January of 2022. It is freaking freezing. So thank you for warming up with me. Uh, whether you found me on HighPodOmDad.com or in any of the streaming services, wherever pods are casted, you could find High Pod. I'm Dad. If you did. Please give a like, give a subscribe, let somebody know, just shout it out the window. I'm listening to High Pod, and then people will know, and they'll, you know, they'll probably think you're weird, but maybe they'll check it out too. So, yeah, I don't know if that's how word of mouth works, but if it does, do it. I don't know what to tell you. But yeah, it's been a good week. I'm really glad to be back with you guys. I love, I love doing this, man. I love getting a chance to just speak out loud and talk about my thoughts, my week, and the things I've written. And one of the things I think about, my life that I'm noticing as we're approaching the five-year anniversary of highblogomdad.com, which is nuts, is that I can look back on the things I've written each week, week to week, and get an idea of kind of where my head's at. And this has been a good week, and I can look back and I can say that. I did two blog posts this week, right? Now, if you, if you only know me through the podcast, go to highblogomdad.com. I've written two blog posts every week since February of 2017. And I've watched my life change and I've watched things evolve and milestones be reached and problems that used to be problems no longer be problems in terms of raising my kids, in terms of myself, in terms of life in general. I've just watched things change. So it's always exciting to go back and take a look. This week was a fun one. This week on Monday, I wrote about my son and his sense of humor, which is something that I think some people need to hear about. My son is nonverbal. He has autism. And when I was first told that he was a child with autism, I was concerned because I knew everything I knew from TV and from movies. And I kept thinking of Dustin Hoffman in Rain Man, which was you know, the prevailing thought process as it related to autism back in the 80s and 90s. And when he was, uh, they told a joke and he was like, ha ha, like robotically, Charlie Babbitt told a joke. I always remembered that. And I thought to myself, even as a, as a kid when I was younger watching that movie, thinking, oh, all right, I guess that's, that's how people with autism respond to humor. Didn't think they laughed. Didn't think they loved. Didn't think all of these things happened because that was the, the shortcut response to somebody who doesn't know what autism is. They don't have emotions. You know, They're just kind of robotic. And I was really worried when I found out that he had autism, because I thought that we would never be able to share any of those things. You know, I mean, I still love my son, and I was still so happy to, to be his dad, but I didn't know who he was going to be as he got older, and I thought, oh, man, I guess that's it. I guess, you know, we'll just kind of coexist and hang out, and I'll love him, and he'll know. And it couldn't have been further from the truth. My son is loving uh, more than most people, man. He'll just come over and give me a hug, give me a kiss. 
Uh, I always talked about his sloppy wet kisses was a a blog post I had written. He does some pretty gross, <laughs> pretty gross kisses. I don't know why one of them involves his tongue. He sticks his tongue out and he just like presses it against your cheek. And I have pictures of him grabbing my head and trying to like, I'm like, oh no, 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 no. And then little tongue on your cheek and it's cute, but it's disgusting. And it's, it's all those things at once. And nothing makes me laugh as much as that does. So there was that, you know, we, he loves, he loves people and he loves, you know, the world around him. And that's something I didn't think would ever be. And the same thing could be said with humor, you know, and when people hear autism, right, people will hear he has autism and they get an idea in their head of what autism is. And I say, oh, he has humor. And they're like, oh, that's good. You know, he could tell jokes, but then they hear he's nonverbal. And I know that that creates a different uh, image for some, you know, nonverbal, severe autism, however you want to put it, you know, someone, he struggles with life skills and there's definitely things that he needs to learn as he gets older that he might never learn. Uh, They say it's chronic. He'll probably always, you know, almost definitely always need care for the rest of his life. All of those things are, are truths that if we're being honest can be painful, you know, they're not. They're not fun truths, you know, and just because I've, you know, we've accepted into our lives and we've learned to live with them and we've learned to accept them. um, And they're definitely not as terrible, I think, as people would assume when they first hear it. Like if you, if you're a parent and you have children and no one's on the spectrum and no one has advanced care that's needed for them and you hear another parent say, my son has, you know, uh, severe autism and is probably going to need help for the rest of their life. It sounds like the end of the world. And I totally get it because there was a time right in the beginning when he was diagnosed where it sounded like the end of the world to me, you know, but it's not, it's not the end of the world. It's just a part of life that we've accepted. But that said, it still is something that's a little rough to kind of handle. You know, it requires, um, it requires thinking ahead. It requires doing things in terms of teaching him and raising him and his care that, I don't know, sometimes aren't so easy. Making sure that he can learn things. It's sometimes just easier to do things for him. Like I've, I've written about this before too, the whole idea of, you know, I could just feed him forever. But no, man, I want him to learn how to use a fork. I want him to use a spoon. So we do that. And when I feed him, you know, when I, when I give him dinner, I'll give him a utensil and I'll have him do it. And it might take longer and he might be wanting to grab it with his hands, but you know, you, you teach and you learn and you evolve. So, but when people hear nonverbal, they can't even imagine. They're like, how does this kid have humor? It's ridiculous. You know, it's silly. Now the humor that he has is not the same as laughing because he laughs a lot. He gets excited. He watches his shows and he jumps and he claps and he giggles and he'll tap you on the shoulder and smile at you. Kind of like, Hey, check me out. I'm, I'm, I'm watching my show. And it's funny with my daughter, too, because I'll be in the other room or I'll be in the kitchen making dinner and they'll be together at the table or on a couch. And all I just hear is, hi, Lucas. Hi, Lucas. Hi, Lucas. Because I know <laughs> that what he's doing is he's just constantly, as he's playing, he'll tap her on the shoulder and smile. And she's like, hi, Lucas. And he'll go back to his iPad. And within like three seconds, he'll tap her again, smile. She's like, hi, Lucas. And she's awesome, dude. She'll, you know, she interacts with him. She doesn't ignore him. She doesn't yell at him. She's patient and she's a great sister and I love, I love moments like that. So he has that. He has that laughter and he has that joy in his life. Uh, but humor is very different than just laughter. Humor is the idea of getting jokes and understanding things. And we have books that we read that he thinks are funny that involve, I mean, kind of tickling. He loves tickling and things like that. But almost the anticipation of, of the humor. We have this book called Frog and Friends. 
that he loves. And he reads this book, hardcore reads this book, to the point where I had to buy him a new one at Christmas because when he reads it, you know, it, it gets torn and he's just so into it. Where the frogs, you can make their mouths open and close and it makes kind of almost like a riveting sound. So I read it to him in this high-pitched voice. I do it rhythmically. You know, um, it's spring called the shimmering, glimmering sun. Attention, all creatures, your winter sleep's done. So wiggling and squiggling, the frogs all awoke. They leap from their pond and they started. Now, at this point, I make the frog croak, or he'll do it. And I go, started to, and I go, like that, right? And he loves it. He thinks it's so funny. Uh, And there's actually a point in the book where they go, a chilly wind whistles. Yes, autumn is here. And after they say whistles, I go, and I blow on his neck. And he thinks it's the funniest thing in the world. And we've been doing this for years. I could read this book to him without the book. I've memorized the book. He loves it. That's a form of humor that he and I have. But still, it's tickling, right? It's, It's a physical response. I have another game that I play with him. I don't know how this came about, but he loves it and we do it all the time and it pulls him out of meltdowns and tantrums and upset moments where I'll stand in front of him and I go, okay, Lucas, I got to go. Bye. Bye, Lucas. Bye. And I turn and I immediately pivot on my foot and I turn back to him and I tickle his belly and he laughs and we do it over and over again. Every time I turn around, he like laughs and he like, you know, crunches himself up, prepared for it. That's fun. That too is a tickle though. So those are all physical humor, which he has. He has those physical humor moments. It wasn't until at this point, I mean, I want to say a few months ago, it could have even been a few weeks. It wasn't that long ago. He was on his iPad and he was stimming on his iPad, which I don't love that he does it. I try to pull him out of those moments where he gets too sucked into it, but I let him stim. I let him, I let him have fun. And stimming is, you know, whether it's tactile, like touching an object over and over again, making a noise, doing something like that. That's typically what people think of with stimming, but with him, with his iPad, he likes to pause and unpause moments of YouTube videos. Sometimes it's to watch a part. I didn't understand one time why he was doing it with his Sesame Street video, and then I realized he kept rewinding back to the star swipe, where they went, oh, and like a star went across the screen and went, and he wanted to watch that over and over again, so he was pausing and unpausing it. But sometimes he just pauses and unpauses. That's how he watches his show. And I let him do it, but sometimes I, I try to get him not to do it. Rob, like, no, no, let's watch this. So we were doing that one day, and they were watching, um, he was watching If You're Happy and You Know It, the song. Hey, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hand, that kind of thing. So I'm like, Lucas, no, what, don't, don't pause and unpause it. You know, and you hear it on YouTube, too. I think it might be the YouTube noise. It's like, bloop, 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 every time you pause it and unpause it. I was like, no, 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 let's watch it. Come on, we like this song. If you're happy, and I start singing right? And I'm trying to like push his hand away as he's trying to unpause it and pause it. And he's not looking at me. He's looking at the iPad and I'm sitting next to him and I'm like, come on, man. Don't know. No, come on. No. And I pull his hand away and I'm like, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know, if you're happy and you know it and you really want to show it, if you're happy and you know it. And he paused it and I went, oh, and I kind of like collapsed my body. Like it was like I had gotten shot and he kind of glances at me from the side of his eye and he looks at me and he makes this smirk that I've never seen him make before where his mouth kind of tilted up and he went <laughs> like that. and even now as I think about it I laugh because it's such an out of character thing it was a reaction I've never seen him have to anything kind of like that <laughs> good one <laughs> the kind of thing that I see when like when his sister will begrudgingly allow a dad joke that I made to be funny um, he did that and that was awesome to me because that was to me, that's humor. That's the humor that I genuinely never thought I'd see. Granted, look, 
I didn't think he'd ever laugh and never have fun and things like that. But when it came to tickling, when it comes to physical things, when it comes to things like that, we've been doing that for a while. And I've kind of gotten used to that. But this is the first time where it was almost like a joke that I made that he laughed at. So that was that was a major thing for me. So I got to talk about that on Monday in the blog, which was important to me because, as I said before, one of the best things about doing this blog and one of the reasons uh, I started it was it was always hard to tell people stories about my son. You tell someone a story like that and they don't know how to react, like face-to-face. They think you're telling them a sad story because it sounds like, my boy doesn't have humor, but he had this funny moment. And they're like, oh, but I don't want them to do that. I don't want them to stop in the middle. I'm telling you something that's genuinely a funny story, a great story for me. But if you're going to stop me in the middle with this like sad look on your face, it, it kind of makes me feel bad. So to be able to tell this story from beginning to end uh, in one bit and not have anyone stop me because they're reading it, it it's important. So that was, that was the point of Monday. So it felt good. Uh, it was called, Yes, My Child with Autism Has a Sense of Humor. That was on Monday. Now, I do blog posts every Monday, every Wednesday. On Wednesday, I somewhat switched tracks a little bit. Uh, about kind of where I'm at right now, you know, mentally speaking, and kind of in a good place. A place that, I don't know, I don't know if it's numb or apathy or what it is, but I think of the movie The Fan. One of my favorite movies, Robert De Niro, Wesley Snipes. It's not a good movie. It's not very good at all. But for some reason, I love this movie. I've watched it hundreds of times. In the movie, Robert De Niro plays uh, this baseball player, Stalker. He's stalking Wesley Snipes. And he gets upset because Wesley Snipes comes out of his, um, his slump, his hitting slump. And when he asks him, you know, how'd you get out of that slump? Wesley Snipes is like, you know, I just stopped caring. And he gets really mad about it. But you know what? There are definitely times in my life where I feel that way. And this week I feel that way in a good way, right? Where I've kind of gotten to that next level, gotten over a lot of things. And when I wrote this blog post, on Wednesday, it was called Can't Hurt Them, Can't Hurt Me. And I framed it talking about my son's autism. And something that a lot of parents to children with any special needs don't really like to talk about. And it's the concern that the world is going to be mean to them when they're first diagnosed, when you first learn about it. Because a lot of us like to pretend that's that we don't even care. I don't care what anybody thinks. Whatever, man. You know, who cares what they think? You care what they think. At least then you did. And for me, I did. I thought to myself, oh my God, my kid has special needs. I'm already hypersensitive to the world around me. I don't fight everybody, you know? Now I have one of the two people I care about the most in the world with something that I already know as somebody who lives on this planet, people mock, people make fun of everything. And they make fun of people with special. I know this. So now I got to bring this kid out into the world who I love. And somebody's going to say something to me. I got to fight everybody. You know, and I'm thinking and you're picturing battling and fighting people. But that didn't really happen. Nobody has ever really done that. If anything, the, the, the humor of it all is that it's not, it's not even strangers. It would be like family and loved ones who say stupid, you know. Stupid shit, if you'll excuse how else to put it. I could say stupid garbage, but no, no, no. Definitely stupid shit. People say crazy stuff. They make comments that don't make any sense. They say things that are rude and, and you know. And then if you get mad, someone will be like, oh, they don't mean it like that. They don't know what to say, whatever. But it's never strangers, really. I don't really have anybody do that. Whether it's because I give off the impression of, you know, don't say anything. Or, which I like to hope it is, is that people see that I'm 
with my boy and I'm not going to let him do anything to anyone else that will be considered rude. And if it happens, I will make up for it. In other words, like I'm not going to let him go to, you know, the, the ice skating rink and pull a churro out of a kid's hand. You know, you don't do that. That's not what I do. And I think people see that and they see that I'm working hard with him to make sure he's okay. So I think they afford me the same courtesy that I expect them to give to him. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just the luck of the draw and it's just never happened. But either way, the world didn't do that. Now, as time went on and I started to realize that wasn't happening, a weird thing happened in that I stopped really caring about what anybody would say about my kid because I know my kid is great. I know my kid is not only great, but he doesn't mess with anybody. He doesn't bother anybody. So if somebody has a problem with him, that's on them. Screw them. Who cares what their opinion is? Same thing with my daughter. I don't care. You know, if you talk trash about my kids, I don't know, man, I'm probably going to have a reaction to you, a confrontational reaction, almost definitely have a confrontational reaction to you, but I'm not going to take it to heart because my kids are great and I know that. So I'm cool with that. All that being said, I had never done that with myself. For some reason, these same people in the world whose opinions really don't matter, whether it's friends, family, strangers, whatever, I would always let their opinions when it came to me, like get to me. And this had always happened. Things would bother me, what people thought about me. I'd worry, like, what's anybody going to think? That was always a big one. I don't know what's everyone going to think. But you know what? That's not real either. And I'm learning that. And I'm learning that the opinions that some people have are just done to cause damage. They want you to be hurt. You know, when somebody says, oh, don't let it get to you, that's what they want. I used to get so mad when people would say that. Be like, well, what? I'm not supposed to care? No. And I'll tell you why, and I'm going to tell you guys a story. I don't name names. I do impressions, though. So, but, but I, don't, uh, I don't really name names. But this, is, this surprised me. Because in my life, right, if I come to you, if you come to me with something, let's say you came to me, and you were like, yo, James, I heard that you, you said something about me. And I know that I did. I would never tell you I didn't. At least not now, not, not at the present state of my life, not in the last you know, 20 years. I'm not like that. Because at the end of the day, I don't want to go home and look myself in the mirror knowing that you know, I, I you know, chickened out or like I'm not standing up for things or I'm, I'm you know, saying things behind people's backs. If I said something to you and you come to me and you ask me if I said it and I did, I did. And then if you get mad about it, I will debate you on it. I'll tell you why I said it. I'll explain to you why I said it. So here's a story the first not the first time, but the time where really I thought about this for a while because it, it surprised me. There's somebody that I know, somebody who had been in my life, who had talked trash about me, right? And I knew about this. I had found out that this person said all these things about me. And I knew because I saw the message where it was sent. I read it with my eyes. I saw the screenshot of what was written, word for word, the whole thing saved it. Hadn't seen this person in a year, right? I see this person, haven't talked to them, don't interact with them, not talking to them at the event that I'm at. Thinking to myself, all right, cool. They don't have to talk to me. I don't have to talk to them. We're good. You know, just be whatever. So now this person turns to me after I'd been to this place for like half an hour to an hour and they go, Oh, hi, James. I didn't see you. I didn't realize you were there, which is like, what the hell? I've been here for an hour. So I'm like, yeah, cool. You know, 
So I'm kind of annoyed and I'm, I'm blowing this person off. And then I start to kind of think to myself, maybe, maybe she doesn't know that I know. You know, maybe she doesn't know that I am aware of what was said and what this person said to me. So I tap her on the shoulder. I'm like, hey, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I know I'm being obvious and I'm blowing you off. But the reason why is I know everything that you said in that message that you had sent to, you know, a mutual acquaintance in our life. Uh, I'm aware of it. You said this, you said that. And I start naming all the things that were said. This person looks at me and she goes, James, I never said any of that. I believe, I believe you were given some misinformation. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? I never did. That was never said. I go, it was never said? No, it wasn't. I'm sorry. And she gets up and she leaves, went to the bathroom or whatever she did. As she's gone, I go into my phone because I have the message saved. I have every single word that was written in the screenshot saved. This person returns to where I am at. And I take my phone out and I just hold it up. And I go, this is what you wrote, say. And she stands there and she starts reading it. Now, let's, let's be frank with each other. If you wrote a nasty message and somebody shows you the message, you know immediately when you say, oh yeah, that's what I wrote. She read it like it was like a storybook, you know, like she had never seen, stood there for a good two, three minutes as I'm holding my phone out, reading it. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Obviously trying to think of what the response is going to be. And she goes, oh, I, I vaguely remember this. I'm like, oh, really? Because I really remember this. I remember that you wrote this. Now I'm prepared and I'm waiting, Right. I'm waiting for the response. Well, I wrote it because of this, or I thought this, or this was the reason, or that was the reason. All these different things. I wrote it for this reason. That doesn't happen. Instead, this person goes, yeah, well, you did this, and you and starts naming things that I didn't even do, like starts just throwing darts at me about things from my life that never happened. I'm like, what are you talking about? You don't, this didn't, first of all, not only is everything you're saying not true, I didn't do this, I didn't do that, I didn't do that but it has nothing to do with what you wrote a year ago. And then all of a sudden it kind of hit me as I'm sitting there. Oh, this person's an idiot. Her opinion doesn't matter. Her thoughts on me aren't real. Her, her words don't mean a damn thing because she's just trying to throw, you know, fire into the house and let it burn down. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. And here I was, honestly, for the last year, somewhat annoyed about this, thinking about it. Maybe, I, you know, I don't know. Why would that be? Maybe she thought this and I did that. Maybe I could do this differently. Trying to like, like beat myself up over the criticism of somebody who obviously doesn't even believe in her words enough to stand by them when confronted with them. And all of a sudden, it's like, you know what? It's not real. None of it is real. It's not real about my kids. It's not real about me. For some people, it's just not real. And here I am putting it on my own shoulders and letting myself get hurt by the opinions of people who aren't saying anything based on facts or based on, on real genuine feelings. It's just being said just to say stuff. And I don't know, man. It took... It's the kind of thing that I keep going back to and I keep rethinking because it never made a difference. And I've had that with other people too, man. I've had people go out and tell a story about me, right? Like you'll have somebody come out and be like, yeah, I heard James did this, right? And somebody come back to me, I heard you did this. What? Well, why would they say that? We're going over it. We go over it. I don't know why they say that. Da, 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 da. 
And then months later, you go back to that original person and the person that they told will be like, hey, remember when you told me that thing about James? And they'll be like, I don't remember telling you that. And it's infuriating. It's crazy. People just talk. And as I said, people talk trash because garbage is as garbage does. Garbage people who talk trash about people around them for the sake of talking trash don't do it out of any sort of need to right a wrong or get facts out or even debate you know, sides of a story. They just do it to throw bombs at people. And that's it. So throw your bombs. Throw your grenades. Throw your peanut shells at me from the gallery. I'm cool with it. I'm, I'm cool with it when it comes to my kids. I'm cool with it when it comes to me. I'll defend us to the death and I'll get in your face. And if you say something mean, you and I are going to have a battle with it, but I'm not going to let it weigh on me because it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter what they say about you either. And that's the truth. You can't, you can't defend yourself against people who don't care. You know, well, I'll tell her my side of the story and then she'll know, and then she won't say it anymore. No, she's going to say it anyway. You're going to say it more. Because for some people, it's just about getting to you. It's not about getting the truth. And those are the people that, you know, just like in the Twilight Zone, you wish them into the cornfield. You're a very bad man. And you keep thinking bad thoughts about me. Wish it into the cornfield. Please, son, wish it into the cornfield. Please. That's right, Anthony. All right, guys, from that point on, let's go to a little segment. We all love it. It's always fun to talk about. I often feel old. There's reasons why. Here's one of them. Save the cheerleader, save the world. Wait, hero? I don't understand. So do you want to feel old? Because I will help you feel old. Save the cheerleader, save the world was one of the most popular phrases in pop culture for like three weeks back in 2006. This was a show that I remember watching years ago. The show was Heroes. Hayden Pantieri, is that even how you say her name? Allie Larder, who she's the only one I really remember from the show because it's Allie Larder. Um, All these different people, you know, Hiro Nakamura. The show was on NBC. It was an amazing show. It was about heroes. I'm not really a big comic book guy, but I liked the whole setup of the show. They all had superpowers. They were slowly discovering. Someone told them to save the cheerleader, save the world. Hayden Pantieri was the cheerleader. They had a saver, save the world. Peter Petrelli, the This Is Us guy, he had powers, didn't know what they were. His brother was running for Congress. I'm giving you the whole recap of the show. It was a huge deal of a show. It was great. Season two was not so great. Season three was awful. And season four, in uh, in wrestling terms, a term that we use in pro wrestling, was an abortion, as they say, which is an offensive term, which means it was awful. I don't remember specifically if there was a writer's strike that affected it, but I remember that by the end of the show, I just didn't watch it anymore. That said, my daughter and I look for TV shows to watch. My daughter's into superheroes. I'm not. I don't watch Marvel. I'm not really into them. I'm sorry. I've tried. I get them. I watch the old school stuff. I tell her that all the time. I'm like, Michael Keaton was Batman. She's like, what are you talking about? You know, she's in like DC and all that stuff. Um, I watched Superman movies as a kid. Christopher Reeves, you know, Christopher Reeve, Reeves, S. I don't know if there's an S on it. Watch that. You know, I had Spider-Man. I always bring this up to her. She goes, you don't like superheroes. I go, I had Spider-Man wallpaper 
in my closet as a kid, which I did. It was like Doc Ock, is his name? Dr. Octopus? I don't even know if that's the full name. And Spider-Man, they were in my closet. So that was all the cool stuff. So I'm not really into superheroes, but I remember the show. And I liked at least season one. So I told her, I said, we should watch the show together. And now it's become our show. We watch it every night. You know, three, four episodes. Uh, it's on Peacock. And we, we watch Heroes. Funny thing about shows from 16 years ago in 2022, they look like they're from yesterday, which is freaking weird because I remember being a kid and Nick at Night came out, right? It was like the 80s, 90s, and they would put on Lassie or Happy Days or whatever the hell it was from you know 20 years earlier. And it was like watching TV from a different time. It was black and white and the people were different or they talked in that old school kind of you know, that um, that accent, I actually watched a YouTube documentary about the accents that they created for television and movies in order to appeal to a wider base of people in the 50s. That whole, uh, you know, hey there, Patty, we're going to go down to the speakeasy. We're going to go run around. Huh? What are you doing there? <laughs> and apparently they created this accent so that it appealed to everybody. And you would hear that accent in TV shows. And it felt like you were watching something from 100 years ago. That was 20 years earlier. Today, stuff from 20 years ago looks like it just happened. The Sopranos, you watch Sopranos clips on YouTube, it, it just happened. But then you see the Soprano people today and you're like, what the frig, man? Paulie Walnuts is 120 years old. I watched a, a reunion that actually took place three years ago or two, three years ago, and Paulie Walnuts is ancient. And I'm like, what, what happened? I just watched him on these clips from a week ago, but apparently it was 20 years ago. That said, heroes, same deal, right? Now, anytime I watch TV with anyone, my kid, myself, I have to go on IMDb and I have to look up everybody, right? I'm very good at spotting where people are from. So I'll turn around, like for example, in Heroes, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Garfunkel and Oates, uh, probably not. They're this comedy um, uh, duet, uh, duo, the singing duo. Uh, these two women, they make kind of raunchy comedy songs. I think they're funny. They're not incredibly famous, but people know who they are. They had a Netflix special. And there was an extra, the woman who worked at the car rental place. And I'm like, that's the Garfunkel and Oates girl. And it was, it was Garfunkel. So stuff like that happens to me all the time where I spot people from TV shows. So I go on IMDb and I look up what else they've done. Especially when I'm like, what has this guy done since then? Like Hayden Pantieri was one. Apparently she's on Nashville. I never watched Nashville, but I'm like, what has she done? I thought she was going to be like super famous. So you look him up on IMDb. So I look him up on IMDb and the kid in the show. Now there's a little kid, Allie Larder's kid. This kid is so annoying. I find that like 95% of kids in TV shows are incredibly annoying. They script them to sound like adults. They always like, they lecture their parents. You get like a six, there's nothing more obnoxious than like a 16 year old girl with a single dad on a TV show. She like raises the dad. Dad, oh, you don't understand. Oh, sometimes I got to feed you. Like that's just a stupid stuff. And it's like the dad is always like some bumbling moron. Even if the dad is like a professor or like this award-winning, you know, doctor, his 16-year-old daughter always runs the house and she knows everything. She's a strangler. So this kid is like five, six, seven years old. I don't know. He's little. He's got Jerry Curl. He's like totally... He's out there running in the streets and going through like, you know, all these hero things and his hair is like perfect. It's very bizarre. And my daughter and I are kind of in agreement. We hate the kid. We're like this kid's annoying. So I go on IMDb and I start looking around at what everybody looks like. And I come across this man 
who I don't know, I don't recognize him from the show. It's the kid. And he's like a dude. He's like this big jack dude. And so I turn to my daughter. I'm like, you see that? I'm like, that's Micah. That's the kid. She's like, what the hell? Because it looks like it happened yesterday. And there is nothing that will make you feel older than seeing that. And I think that's part of the whole mystique of TV shows sometimes is if you can go back to when you were a kid, TV looks old, right? Mr. Belvedere looks like an old show. Different Strokes is like an old show. But for some reason, everything from 2000 on, you know, even right before the adoption of, of HD in like 2007, 2008, although I do think that Heroes might have been in HD, it was around 2006, um, looks like it just happened. So then when you go and you turn around and you look up the stars, you see what people are up to since then, that will make you feel incredibly old. So yeah, save the cheerleader, feel ancient. That is today's feeling old moment from uh, from me. But yeah, if you get a chance, do, do yourself a favor. Watch Heroes. It's a good show to you know reminisce about. It's definitely a show that you have to watch, binge watch. This is like a little public service announcement. There are a lot of shows I gave up on week to week back in the day that if you go back now and in the binge watching generation and you watch these shows without having to wait seven days in between, they're a lot better. I'd imagine The Lost would be better now. Like I know that my daughter and I watched Lost a little bit for a while. Uh, and that was okay. It kind of sucked because I knew what was going to happen, so I wasn't as into it. But I remember week to week, Lost was fantastic, and then it was a huge letdown. But I think watching them in a big chunk would probably be more fun. So go back, try to rewatch some stuff if you run out of things to do, you know, or you can just, you know, watch The Office again and again and again, or Rested Development like I do again and again and again. How many times can I watch Michael Bluth? But <laughs> I don't know. It is what it is. So yeah, Heroes makes me feel old. Thank you, Peter Petrelli, for the old feeling in my heart. Yeah, but that's how it goes, man. That's that's a moment of sadness. That's a moment of age. And now, a moment of sanity. Hi, Pod. This is your moment of sanity. This week's moment of sanity is a miracle. It is Miracle Berry. It is M. Berry. And this is a public service announcement. This is your take-home test. It is your home experiment. It is something for you to take from this audio. I'm going to have the link down below. And it is not sponsored because I do not know how to properly market myself. M. Berry is this week's Moment of Sanity. What is M. Berry? M. Berry is something that I discovered many years ago. It is essentially a berry, although it comes in tablet form, that you put in your mouth and you let it dissolve on your tongue. And once you do, once you dissolve this on your tongue, you can eat sour foods and you don't taste sour. I'm not joking with you. They call it flavor tripping. There is actually a, a little pamphlet that comes with these tablets called flavor tripping. And they talk about all the things you should try and the things you should eat. It's not dangerous. Uh, at least I don't think so. It's, not, it, it's all natural. It's a berry that grows. Uh, they discovered it on some island that people who live there were eating this berry and then they were able to eat pineapple and eat all this stuff. So what you do is you take the tablets, dissolve them on your tongue, then you eat Sour Patch Kids. Sour Patch Kids taste like gummy bears with kind of like crunchy sugar on them. I swear on my life. It actually makes them even sweeter than they would be uh, normally. So I we, we did it with gummy bears, uh, sour straws, which are those like long lines of almost like Twizzlers, but they're coated in that really sour tasting stuff. Don't taste it. It tastes a little bit of sour, 
but not a lot. Now, here's where it gets even better if you guys are not into candy or you don't really care about Sour Patch Kids lemons. I bought lemons, I bought limes, I bought grapefruits, and you can just eat them, right? Now, I don't, I don't think you should buy this berry and then eat your lunch of lemons, but it's a cool experiment to do. I've done it with friends. I've done it with my daughter. We did it actually yesterday, which was really cool because I got to tell you, if you're looking for stuff to do with a 13-year-old, 14-year-old, somebody around that age where it's kind of hard to find things to, to kind of bond over, you know, we have a few things here and there. We'll play a video game here and there, watch a TV show once in a while, but you know, she's not into board games. She's not into like, you know, we don't do sports or go to the playground and things like that. So it is hard to find something that isn't going to make her roll her eyes or not want to do it. But eh, it's kind of dumb. Emberry was something that she got on board with. I didn't have to really sell it. I explained it. She's like, what? I'm like, you'll see. It's really cool. Dissolving it was kind of a tough hill to get over because kids really aren't used to eating things they don't want to eat. I mean, we're adults. We've had anything. I don't know. I've... I've eaten all sorts of weird stuff I didn't want to have in my lifetime. Um, so once you get over the tablet dissolving, which isn't really that gross, it's a little tart. It's not the best tasting thing in the world, but it's not awful. Once you get over that, it's cool. And she couldn't believe it. She's like, I can't believe this. I'm eating these, like we're eating trolley uh, gummy worms, those trolley ones, the brightly colored ones, just shoving them in our face, uh, limes, lemons. And then they actually give you with the emberry a little sheet of paper with suggestions blue cheese they say to eat which was cool it was weird a little creamy bizarre um balsamic vinegar and apple cider vinegar and things like that so this is definitely something that i would suggest to anybody out there if you haven't had a chance to do it i have the link i have below although it isn't sponsored that is the associates link that i use for amazon so if you want to buy it buy it through there and i'll get you know like a quarter i don't know 25 cents or something ridiculous but whatever man I, I like to buy gum. So yeah, feel free to buy it. Check it out. Let me know what you think too, because this is something that is exciting because I'm so surprised that more people don't know about this. This is something that we discovered years ago. And the funniest part is that she doesn't remember that we did this already when she was little. Um, two houses ago, it's been so long. So we've already done Emberry. We've already eaten the lemons. We've already you know, had this fun. She doesn't remember it. Get to do it again. I'm sure she'll tell people, I'll tell people, and just keep spreading the word about it. And it's one of those cool things that I think a lot of people don't know, which is shocking to me because I don't know, there's a, there's a flavor tripping hack for your mouth that exists on Amazon and more people don't know about it. So hopefully this is me telling you, this is me giving you guys some fun things to do. This will provide you with some sanity. It's going to pull you out of the moment. There's nothing weirder than uh, getting out of the stressful hustle and bustle of your daily life. And I don't know, eating a lemon. Go eat a lemon, man. When life hands you lemons, be like, what? This is insane. Free lemons? Come on. Go eat them. And that does it for me, guys. Thank you for joining me here today on this Friday podcast that went from serious to silly to, uh, you know, heroes. A lot of fun. I really enjoy getting to do these podcasts, and I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to kind of speak at you and let you know uh, some of the things in my life. It really means a lot to me. It is helpful uh, for my head, for my heart, uh, and for my life, and I appreciate it greatly. I will be back Monday, Wednesday with new blogs on highblogomdad.com. I will be back here with a new podcast on highpodomdad.com next Friday. Until then, this is James Gutman saying, be well. Bye, pod. I'm dad.